Good afternoon. Today I introduce two pieces of legislation. The first piece of legislation is Bill 4, the Tax Statutes Amendment Act 2023. It proposes legislative amendments to a number of Alberta's tax laws. Changes would help ensure our tax legislation remains clear, current, and consistent while continuing to support Albertans and Alberta businesses. These types of amendments are important for maintaining the integrity of our tax system in Alberta, keeping our legislation up to date, and reducing red tape. Specifically, Bill 4 would amend four pieces of legislation, including the Fuel Tax Act, the Tourism Levy Act, the Alberta Personal Income Tax Act, and the Alberta Corporate Tax Act. This includes retroactively legislating the extension of the provincial fuel tax pause to the end of 2023, a decision we announced earlier this year. The fuel tax pause is currently in effect, and Albertans and Alberta businesses are saving the full provincial fuel tax as a result. Extending the pause to the end of 2023 saves Albertans an estimated $530 million. That's money that's staying in Albertans' pockets every time they fill up their vehicle. If passed, Bill 4 will also implement a new framework for the collection and remittance of Alberta's tourism levy by online brokers in the tourism industry. This is a measure we first announced in Budget 2022, and we're now bringing it forward after significant consultation with members of Alberta's world-class tourism industry. While this legislation proposes the overarching framework for the changes, the specific details around collection and remittance would follow in regulation. Online brokers would not be required to collect and remit the tourism levy until that time. Bill 4 would also update a number of technical and administrative aspects of Alberta's tax system. We review and update Alberta's tax laws regularly and make changes to correct efficiencies, to legislate new policies, and to maintain consistency between provincial and federal tax laws. Keeping our tax legislation up to date is essential to maintaining Alberta's low-tax environment, and Bill 4 will help us do just that. The second piece of legislation I'm going to talk about is Bill 5, the Public Sector Employers Amendment Act. Provincial governments across Canada have implemented a range of compensation governance models designed to strike a balance between their fiscal and accountability interests and their particular blend of public sector governance models. British Columbia's compensation governance model has been recognized as the gold standard for compensation governance in Canada since it was implemented in the 1990s. Alberta's government already uses some of the core elements from the BC model, such as coordinated bargaining directives for public sector negotiations, and now we are going a step further with this proposed legislation that would enable a new flexible governance model for non-union public sector compensation. At the same time, government would maintain strong fiscal oversight to ensure tax dollars are spent wisely. Public sector compensation accounts for nearly $23 billion in provincial spending annually. Without market-based and evidence-informed oversight from the provincial government, spending pressures can easily crowd out other priorities and grow beyond government's ability to pay. Most of that dollar figure goes to salaries established in collective agreements with Alberta's largest public sector unions, including nurses, teachers, and government workers. The current approach for non-union and executive compensation is unsustainable. It doesn't account for competitive and changing labour market conditions under the current model. The reform of agencies, boards, and commissions uh, compensation act, also known as RABCA. Inflexible and prescriptive compensation frameworks have restrained compensation with a one-size-fits-all approach for diverse public agencies. This has led to many well-qualified and exceptional workers leaving and finding more competitively compensated work elsewhere. 
The framework puts pressure on agencies to shift compensation approaches away from market and sector norms and prescribe compensation levels at 2015 or 2016 rates as inflationary pressures increase. This new proposed governance-focused approach would strike a better balance and provide government with more flexibility to respond to emerging circumstances. To be clear, this approach applies only to non-union compensation. Nothing in the proposed legislation would change the governance structures of individual public agencies or school boards or the relationship between agencies and ministries. The proposed legislation would repeal the current legislation as it has been a source of frustration for employers and government because it is so prescriptive and rigid. It has been challenging for public sector employers to compete and recruit and retain top quality staff. As I said, the current regulations do not account for inflation and evolving labor market conditions. The proposed legislation would streamline and harmonize government's direction for non-union compensation across Alberta's public sector. Specifically, it would apply to Alberta Health Services and Covenant Health. It would also apply to all post-secondary institutions except independent academic institutions, including Ambrose University, Berman University, Concordia University, the King's University, and St. Mary's University. As well, it would apply to some public agencies such as Alberta Gaming, Liquor and Cannabis Commission, Alberta Innovates, Travel Alberta, and the Workers' Compensation Board. Treasury Board and Finance staff have consulted with all the groups that would be governed by this legislation and their advice and suggestions are greatly valued. The proposed legislation enables a more flexible approach to compensation regulation that envisions the development of a common compensation policy that would apply across the public sector and would include provisions applicable to all employers. At the end of the day, the Public Sector Employers Amendment Act would modernize Alberta's approach to non-union compensation. It would strike the right balance between public sector employer independence and autonomy with oversight of public dollars now and into the future. It would ensure that Alberta can continue to attract and retain talent. The proposed legislation is a starting point. It's enabling. I assure you there will be much consultation with employers to develop the details and processes to support a new compensation framework if the legislation is passed. The proposed legislation allows for changes to occur. It would take time to complete and done in collaboration with employers. This legislation will help us evolve with changing labour market conditions and remain competitive. It will secure Alberta's future as a top destination for highly skilled workers while ensuring strong fiscal oversight. Thank you, and now I'd be happy to take any questions. Thanks, everyone. We'll not take questions. Uh, it'll be one question, one follow-up. Please see your name and outlook for the record. Lisa, see your hand up. Go ahead. Hi. Um, thanks for clarifying. This is going to completely eliminate RABCA, that that bill will be repealed, not just little pieces of, of regulation, right? So I'm wondering, or, yeah, pieces of regulation. I'm wondering, under Bill 5, um, all of those agencies that, that could be impacted by it, like AGLC, et cetera, would they still be subject to the public sector compensation transparency, the, the sunshine list? Would they still fall under that? Because I'm not clear from the Transparency Act, like the sunshine list rules, as to whether or not those non-union employees um, necessarily are swept up in that. It's, it's my understanding, if they were before, that they still would be. Uh, but we can get back to you on that. I'm happy to. But you're correct. We would be we're repealing Rabka, fully repealing Rabka. Um, something else you could expect would be a ministerial order following the repeal of Rabka that would basically tell these agencies that um, 
you're to you're to act as if Rabka did still exist, but please come forward with your with the compensation. Uh, pardon me, with the consultation and building of the compensation plans. But we need to have that as a stopgap measure once this is repealed. The other question I had is, um, on the government website, it says as of July 1st, 2022, their salary restraints regulation was not in effect anymore. Um, and so I'm just wondering if you could walk me through what happened there and why that happened and what that, where that leaves us now. So there's essentially no salary restraints under RABCA the way I read that. No, no, that's not correct. Rabka, Rabka um, has a lot of restraint. That is why we're repealing it. We need to look at it. We need to look at it differently. I still get flooded with ministerial asks of exemptions to Rabka. So if anything, this is trying to get us to a more flexible place where we're not having people leave the province uh, because the compensation is just out of, out of whack with other jurisdictions or even other agencies within the province. Catherine? Yeah, so um, speaking of getting flooded with requests, I'm looking at um, the list of things under RABCA, like executive bonuses and no golf club memberships allowed. So what what is what is like a frequently asked request that you think maybe there needs to be more flexibility on or what is it? Yeah, what needs to change? What needs to well, I think what needs to change, and it, I'll tell you, if there's golf club memberships approved under this, I don't expect to have this job long. So I don't think that's that's not what we're heading towards. Um, we're we're very excited to to still have a um, a way to provide that oversight. Uh, but what I'd say we mostly hear is just we need we need more money. We hear that this is what this is what this person's getting in this very similar uh, salaried position. Or because something that happened a lot in my first term, you heard from a lot of the smaller post-secondaries that needed really specifically skilled people for certain roles. And Rabka didn't, um, Rabka didn't provide the flexibility to understand that there's things other than just the size of a school that determine kind of the specific requirements and skills that are needed. Uh, so they would get, they would get poached often by the bigger schools. And it really, yeah, it really put them at a disadvantage. And on Bill 4, um, those Airbnb, Verbo, uh, tourism levies were supposed to be in effect July last year. There's been a delay. What's, could you explain what the, the holdup is? And Yeah, I think I was just uh, given this job and then that, that happened, but uh, they, they weren't prepared. They didn't, have, they didn't have the software and the supporting um, infrastructure. Um, we listened to them again, made sure that they were very active in the consultation process this time, but it wasn't really a problem with the policy, just the implementation. So we're still having that conversation with them. I couldn't tell you exactly when they'll be able to implement, but I think it would be later in 2024. Okay, do we have any more questions in the room? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, Mason DePetty from Global News. So I think earlier today we heard there's like 30,000 employees that this could uh, fall under. But this only affects a few of the top tier ones, right? Well, it'll be, I think it'll be focused at, you know, at the executive level. That's how Rabka came to be. But eventually under these compensation plans, it will bring in all 30,000. It'll be more of a, a vertical look at the organization than just comparing these horizontal bands. And then there's a full negotiation cycle next year, you know, teachers, nurses, doctors, do you feel this will affect that at all? Uh, it shouldn't. It has nothing to, 
to do with that. Um, you're not wrong. I think five of the big six uh, agreements expire in March, um, excluding teachers, I believe. Uh, but this doesn't involve them. If, if anything, I'd say that this this will help align across across government because uh, what this does, similarly to the collective bargaining, it relies on the market and it's evidence driven. So that in that in that sense, it'll be similar, but won't have any direct impact. Great, thanks, operator. Can you put through the first caller? Thank you, Jonathan Bradley, Western Standard. Question. So in Bill 4 is an extension of the fuel tax cut until uh, 20, the end of 2023, legislatively speaking. Where do you stand on making the fuel tax cut permanent? Uh, where, where do I stand on making the fuel tax cut permanent? Well, I would say that I expect that the pause will be lifted. I do expect that the the correlation to the, the WTI, the program that we've put in place, uh, will stay. But no, the fuel tax, the fuel tax will have to come back at some point. And just, okay, and my just to, is... I was just going to clarify. So that, that linkage I'm speaking about is, is how we, um, we use the price of WTI, uh, per quarter. And then the tax slowly comes on or off depending on the price of oil. That was the parameters with how the original fuel tax relief was given. Um, the idea being that, you know, if, if oil is at that price, then the government should be at a place that they can provide that relief to their citizens. It is their resource. Okay. And my follow-up question is, one of your other priorities uh, in your mandate letter was the income tax cut that Premier Smith promised. When can we expect those income tax cuts to be introduced? Yeah, we're definitely, I'm excited to get into the budgeting process because it impacts all of the out years of the fiscal plan. We need to, to get in the room with Treasury Board and discuss it through the budgeting process. Um, it has a, it has a great impact to the overall, um, finances of the province. So look forward to starting that conversation this fall. Great. Thanks. I'll come back to the room. Does anyone have a question? Okay. Thanks everyone.